All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the Omni Talk Fast Five. It is September 13th, 2019. And holy cow, it has been a week here it's, at Omni Talk. It's also Harvest Moon on Friday the 13th. Did you know that? Is it really? Yeah. That's like super creepy. Oh, yeah. We have that a. Is- don't we have like a haunted house in a mall here coming up soon too? Like oh, an yeah. old abandoned like anchor tenant mall, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. abandoned JC Penny. Dude, we got so we got. You're telling me we have Harvest Moon on the 13th in September, and then now we're going into abandoned mall Halloween showcase, which I think we should do. Maybe we should all do like Ellen DeGeneres style. We can go to the abandoned mall. We'll take a live video. Yeah, we'll record it. Content. I'm down. I'm down. I think so. I mean, there's nothing scarier than an abandoned mall. You guys, that you don't, you don't actually need to put any money into that's that. That's right. But the exhibit that's in there is really scary. Yeah. So no, like, actually, it sounds like, like what your pants really cool. scary. I would never do screen. it. Yeah. yeah it sounds no. like it's gonna be really anyway. Cool. But hell, it's been a heck of a week. So we kicked off all of our live content at Third House this week. So Anne had a had a networking event last night with the Women's Retail Collective. Yeah, it was banging. Yeah, it was, it was great. banging. There were a lot of people there. That was oh, awesome. The energy was up. It was really cool. We had a ton of people show up, and I, we're going to do a lot more with that. So really good networking happened. And you dropped your pod, your new podcast. With we the, dropped it like it was hot. Like it was hot with the Network for Executive Women. Is yes. That right? So the Women's Retail Collective podcast is now live for Third House members and members of the Network for Executive Women. And we kicked it off with Kelly Caruso, CEO of Shipped, which we teased a little while while back. It's hard Um, to get the diction right when you're saying the word shipped around every other word. Uh, But she was such an amazing guest. We talk about how she started out as a fry cook in Fargo and McDonald's, and now she's CEO of one of the largest last-mile delivery providers in the country. It's pretty amazing. So great content with her. Great content. Now we had the – we kicked off – uh, this morning, I gave the universal truths that predict where the story of the future is headed keynote presentation that I've been giving throughout the country. We had a good turnout for that this morning, yeah. too. Uh, uh, also banging for 7.30 a.m. It was banging for 7.30 I was going to say, it was so early. <laughs> it was absolutely so early. Neil, Neil and Carter are just cringing every time I say bang. Yeah, it's all right. I can feel it. We should have like a word of the day. Like that'd be pretty fun. No, but it was fun. And uh, we'll have the content for Third House members uh, available as well here very shortly on that, both the video and the audio. So yeah, it's been a fun week. It's been a hell of a content week too. I, I don't, I've lost track of how many pieces of content we've put out, but I think it's, Two or three pieces on Forbes. Great article uh, on Checkout Free Retail with Grabango this week. Check that out. Uh, also did a really cool one on the economic business cases surrounding hyperlocal micro-fulfillment with Takeoff. Um, all those are on the blog and on social media. So you know, definitely be sure to check those out as well. I'm also excited. We've got sponsors coming up for Grocery Shop. I mean, Grocery Shop is this – it's hard to believe it's like we're uh, there on Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. Um, and uh, – yeah, and we're excited. We, we've got sponsors. We've got Listener. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also uh, Grabango actually is going to sponsor all of our activity from there too. So uh, be sure to tell your friends, tune in, get all the cool t- content there. We've got some cool interviews lined up. Uh, we hope to be checking out Planet 13 as well. All right. Well, we were off for a couple of weeks. Uh, so there were a lot of headlines to get to. Yeah. Neil and I kind of let you guys down over the last couple of weeks. I think either he was gone once, I was gone once. And at the end of the day, we were both back and excited to bring your both age averages down to a normal Thank number. You. No problem. All right. Yeah, uh, so It's good. It means it a cool? lot because I, no, I do think it was your fault. Um, although, <laughs> although I do want to say before we get started, I do want to say there were a lot of stories over this last few weeks. So it was hard to cut them back. So we had a few... Few that did not make our list. So these were we don't we haven't done this before, but these are what I would call the honorable mentions. Uh, Lululemon 
had a ton of announcements last week, uh, ranging and from... Oh, they announced that they are launching their lab streetwear clothing line now. Um, that's going to be live uh, in several cities and online soon. They are going into skincare and personal care items. Yeah, I thought that was super interesting. Yeah, what, we should yeah, cover that another that time. Yeah. yeah, or just real quick, give a few quick seconds on it. So they started with a few products like a spray to make your face less red after your a hot yoga class. Some oh, other nice. items that they just kind of put out in the market to test early on. <laughs> And Neil's they, eyes just got really they big. They are refining those products for the probably the same reasons that Neil's eyes just got big. But they are trying to keep um, the product line going to be more inclusive of different skin types and um, and other offerings that they can provide. Probably in their experience centers. They also announced this week that they're opening one. The second one in Mall of America, Boom. our backyard. I'm checking that out. Getting a Lululemon Neil, Experience think, Center Neil, this if November. You're, if you're still in town, we should do the yo- we should do the yoga tryon class together. Are you down? I'm down. Uh, absolutely. I've never actually done yoga. We should reach before. out to them too if they're listening. Yeah, we should try to. Get I that. feel like we might be able to find somebody at Mall of America who could connect us, yeah. or maybe like a third house uh, member who is from Lululemon that could. Yeah, we're gonna have to get we on tap. that. We have to do that actually now. Yeah, that's a great November thing. <clears throat> And then also Restoration Hardware. <laughs> You're dying over there, Chris. Yeah, Are you all right? Somebody help me out. He's really excited right, about yoga. mentions Restoration Hardware. Up. It's all good. It's been a long day. It's emotional. I get it. Lululemon is really close audience. to your heart. Yeah. It is all good. All right. What's going on with Restoration, Restoration Hardware? Restoration Hardware had great earnings. So again, they're again touting their experiential stores, one of those which is, one of which is being built uh, just down the road from us here in Minneapolis. So again, we've always held it up as a hallmark of new experience design and how to think about retail differently. It seemingly is continuing to work. And then the other story that we thought about throwing in there was uh, <laughs> JC Penney's uh, this week made a killer announcement. And, and what was that? They're doing a men's store, an outdoor men's store for all of your men's date night needs. Awesome. Uh, at 100 stores, JC Penney's with their own line, uh, St. John's Bay is going to be the sponsor. So they have I can't wait to go. updated fixtures. Said no one ever. <laughs> Said no one. Deals all over this story, though. I think we're in our bubble on this. I don't think we we understand what uh, a lot of America considers date night might be: Applebee's, Chili's. I think that's Fridays. really valid. It's a super you know, valid. I don't think anybody's to... arguing that point. I think the point is that does go. the J.C. consumer want a modern <laughs> men's night out guide shop? I to, think in they, order to but, inspire to, but to Neil's point, I mean, to to maybe defend this side of the table, like the where else would they, you know, look to in order to figure out what does going out mean and look like? And yeah, what yeah, what does a night out mean in in Shakopee, Minnesota? You know? I mean, it means this the same affordable pair of St. John's Bay pants that they're already buying in a new variety of colors and of on sale. <laughs> I think that's what it means. Or whatever the hell else you can get at every other online retailer, Macy's and or. Well, not even online. I mean, it makes sense. Anywhere. Yeah. I guess my point is just like poll average people in America. And is this the right incremental innovation for JCPenney to be focusing on right now? No, here's my. Okay. Here's the thing. Like, why is this even a story? This is where this is where I want to take like retailers to task and the PR side of this to task, because like it's not a story like. No one is reading Retail Dive if you're a customer of JCPenney's. No one is reading these news headlines. And yet we put they put this out as press releases like it's some big deal. It's not. 
So anyway, those were the headlines that didn't make the cut this week, but we thought they were fun. And quite honestly, the JCPenney's one is so out there, we just had to bring it up. But Carter, why don't you start us off? All right, I'm going to dive in with story number one here. So our favorite brand, Starbucks, is actually developing new stores dedicated to pickup and delivery orders only. These are following tests that they've been doing in China with a concept called Starbucks Now. Uh, baristas in these store pickup stores will be solely focused on preparing orders, so there won't be anyone on site dining, etc. So they're opening this in Manhattan to kind of start this whole thing off and to kind of uh, really look at the experiment here in the U.S. And they're hoping to expand, depending on what happens with those experiments, uh, into other markets as well. Now, personally, I think this is genius. I have seen our local Starbucks that we frequent maybe too often shift from standing in line to yes. actually ordering to now this weird mob of people around the, the the pickup location. And it's been interesting to watch how they've incrementally changed the experience. So if you guys have noticed, and take a look at your Starbucks counter yep. next time you're in there, uh, but you've noticed they've gone from maybe just setting it on the bar. And then they got the risers. You saw those risers because yep. they couldn't fit everything in there. Yeah. And then even with other things, they've actually taken uh, those risers, put them behind the counter, and now they have an iPad system. They have kind of a, a point of sale system specifically dedicated to pickups yeah. and now at our local starbucks i don't know oh, if they, they do yeah so wow. watch them okay but at, at our local starbucks i don't know if this is for everyone but they've taken the orders and put them behind the counter yeah. so you actually have to ask the barista which means it sucks it's hard oh, and, i hate that and it's the weird go ex- there for that reason no it's the weird experience for <laughs> uh, yeah you have to you know you get there and the convenience factor is over you want to just to grab it and go yep. now i think the other important thing about this is this could be a hub for what delivery turns into we've mm-hmm. talked about starbucks delivery so much and i think that we really realize that whatever you know service is actually delivering them it's not you know there's not a great relationship the stores aren't built for that uh it's not built for someone to run in and grab i think these new stores have the potential to be that hub that optimized hub for delivery and i think starbucks sees that and they're continuing to invest in this that's a great point carter and what do you guys think and neil i think it makes a ton of sense uh there was a story earlier this week or last week as well that mcdonald's is doing a pickup only uh, site in London focused on city workers, mm-hmm. basically trying to get people their breakfast or their lunch and allowing them to eat it at a different place. You know, really repurposes a lot of the store headcount and salary and can really open up the opportunity for these stores to open in really small footprint areas, which I think is the key and probably allows for really um, low-hanging fruit in terms of growing revenue rather quickly. That all makes sense. But let me ask you guys a, let me ask you guys a different question. Like, what does this mean in the long term, though? Like, it's interesting. Like, if you, if you listen to Howard Schultz talk or anybody else like at Starbucks, there there's still quite the emphasis on the barista and that experience. And that's always been part of it. I mean, I can remember at Target, like, you know, part of the hiring process was who was friendly and outgoing. And you had to specifically staff to that at Starbucks because it was so important. This starts to take that out of the equation. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I was going to say, I think there are, there are reasons for where stores are located and what the operation they're trying to serve. Mm -hmm. And I think that potentially shifts based on time of day as well, Mm -hmm. right? Like you look at, I think some stores to Neil's point about the McDonald's, there's some stores that should just be pickup. There's no reason to have any sort of dining room. It gets in the way. The efficiency is gone with that. I think there are other stores though, that serve as still that community hub where that experience is really important. Now the question is, what's the balance? I think the other question is, I mean, would there ever be a time where dining rooms would close between the hours of 8 and 10 o'clock or maybe 4 and 6 if you're trying to get a take-home traffic, right? Um, You know, could stores transform or is it a new mix or how does that kind of come to life in two different ways? Because I think the Starbucks experience is still really important. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that this doesn't mean that the barista experience is going away. I think what this allows Starbucks to do, and if you start to think about 
just uh, efficiencies when you have your staff solely focused on on fulfilling orders, not cleaning bathrooms or, you know, cleaning up tables or other things. They can solely focus on preparing the coffee and now bringing delivery into this and what Starbucks can do and will most likely, because their their mobile platform is incredible, start to bring delivery into their own app and then also give you the same experiences that you maybe would have in a drive-thru. Like you can still have a barista connection and they could still have video or other kinds of That's connections there that aren't your traditional model that require having an actual store footprint. So, And plus, I think that the next generation of, of people are not going to care about the barista experience as much as they people do now Mm -hmm. and that that whole if you want that whole experience you're not going to go to a starbucks starbucks is strictly convenience that's a good frame of mind frame or it's a good lens by which to think about it too i never thought about that in terms of you know service doesn't have to be before you order the service Mm -hmm. might start changing to and it seems like this is becoming more prevalent too and as a theme in what we talk about each week but maybe service is more you know, what's the human side after you've ordered it? Maybe you, know, you want an, during the pickup. Yeah, things. maybe you want an AI bot misspelling your name on your cup and <laughs> smiling at you like. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, super that's, creepy. That's a whole other story from this week. Is an investment. emoji? Yeah. Do you want an emoji smiling at you and saying thanks, Chris, for your americano this morning? <laughs> right. Right. But no, but it's yeah, it's, it's it goes back to the market strategy too in terms of it's like your point, Carter. Like all of them could be right. It's what's the market and what's the market need and it's in the right place. And the point you bring about our local store is exactly right. That's now in order, pick, it's become an order pickup place and it doesn't work for it. There's got to be a better way. It's, and it's, it's ruin, I think it's really ruining important. the online experiences. I'm actually going the opposite way Correct. now uh, because I don't want to stand in that awkward line. Yeah, it, t- it actually takes longer. It takes longer it and, it's, and, and the ambiguity adds anxiety to the system. Yeah, yep, exactly. All right, story number two. Cool. Story, story number two is sort of a two for one. Uh, the first part of it is Nordstrom is now accepting online returns from competitors at Nordstrom local locations. This is starting in New York. So Nordstrom local stores in New York will accept online returns from competitors like Macy's and Kohl's. And the retailers using uh, services are offering services at this location, such as shoe repair, stroller cleanings, drop-offs uh, for used clothing, which will be donated, and then other different services. It's really a very different Nordstrom experience than your big box wow. mall retailer. And that's opening, uh, and that's now active in Manhattan. And then the part two of that is, and in a separate note, but uh, sort of same idea, Amazon Go is now accepting uh, Amazon online purchase returns at some locations uh, starting in Seattle. So I think the cool thing on that is if you're Amazon or Amazon customer, their footprint of where they're accepting returns is continuing to span and expand at a pretty rapid rate between uh, all of the options that they have, whether that's Amazon Go locations, Kohl's, Whole Foods, you know, like if you think three feet, four years from now, you know, right. maybe you don't have to go more than two miles without some sort of business that you can do your returns at, which doesn't inc- involve going to the USPS store. Mm-hmm. So Kohl's isn't the only place you can do this anymore in the long run is basically what you're saying. Correct. And mm-hmm. I would bet, you know. I wonder where you've heard that before. <laughs> I would bet five years from now it's probably 10x the amount of locations. <laughs> and probably one of the least desirable we're places just, to we're, do it. We're just seeing all, <laughs> as much value as you possibly can pack into a specific, you know, brick and mortar store to try to drive mm-hmm. traffic, right? And not Stroller even stores. cleanings. It's yeah. just like, you know, it's about everything. I think the mm-hmm. Amazon thing is a completely different, different world. I think yeah. returns have always been such a hard thing for customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're 
we're lucky enough to have like offices that we sit in and have tape and you know ups shows up every other day right mm-hmm. like it's pretty great uh but if you're an amazon customer who doesn't have the luxury luxury of that um you know maybe amazon goes the answer well and you predicted the amazon go thing so maybe we shift to let's let's shift to to nordstrom specifically like yeah. i'm curious like those are pretty interesting features uh Stroller cleaning. Oh yeah, I used think clothing. I think that's brilliant. Uh, what I I'm kind of surprised about though is having worked at a Nordstrom store in New York. You the first thing they teach you in your employee training. I had no idea you did that. You worked Same. at a Nordstrom store in New York. I sure did. Wow. How would that experience never come up? Wow. Yeah, we've never talked. It about was that. a very brief. How stint. brief? Um, Were you fired when I got from ri- a Nordstrom? I, I was not. <laughs> it, actually, the, wor- the worst part about it, they it was a great company to work for. I have so many stories that I that I can wow. tell you about. Like you know the voice, the voice of God that they have in there. That's like so like Andrea Swenson, come to the blah blah. Like yeah. that's all code for like shit is going down in the Nordstrom. Somebody just like stole a whole bunch of stuff. Code and it's Brown, like, yeah. Code Brown. <laughs> all these things are happening, and they have like beautiful code names. Like such a Nordstrom strategy. It Let's is. just find like a very innocent name. Yeah, exactly. But even we had all those code even, red, code yellow, like all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, but even better, the first thing that you learn in training at Nordstrom is that. The whole Nordstrom experience started because they and the whole ethos behind the business and why their customer service is so great is because when they first opened their store, it used to be a tire store. And someone came to the Nordstrom store to try to bring back a tire that didn't work. And the Nordstrom employee took it back and gave them cash on the spot for whatever it was. So no matter what people brought in, it could honestly be like an H&M T-shirt. And they could tell you that they bought it at Nordstrom and they paid $75 for it. We could open up the cash register and hand them exactly what they said, no questions asked. That's crazy. So to me... This is right in that. Right. It surprises me that they haven't... It, it surprised me that they haven't done something about this sooner and messaged that in some way, mm-hmm. but it totally makes sense in like their new format store that this is part of the strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's going to be a high quality clientele in that store too. Oh, yeah. that's going to be an upper end. It's in the, the village. It's a beautiful space. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, do you, what do you think, Carter? You're kind of the millennial, one of the two millennials that take I residence mean, here in the Third I mean, podcast studio. I've I've been in Nordstroms as many times as I can count on one hand. You know, I don't think it it's not a a frequently visited thing. Now, I think the level of service that you're you're describing is uh, table stakes for some for an experience that I would choose to go to. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, preference set of my like my wife loves Nordstrom. She loves it. Awesome bathrooms, great mother's rooms. The service is top notch. You're never walking around like you are in a Macy's looking for who the heck is supposed to help you. Mm-hmm. And they always know what's going on. They're always super helpful. And if they're not, you know, if they don't know the answer, they're they're very, uh, let's say, honest and transparent about it, which I really love. I think, you know, the service level and the, the flexibility they have even with returns is, I think, table stakes. And I think it will continue to, uh, I don't know, instill the brand kind of value that it, they've always had. Question is, I guess, like, you know, you have the JCPenney, the Macy's, some of the other big box stores. I think they're kind of falling further and further behind. Yeah. But I would argue that this isn't enough for a Nordstrom's, specifically of the size of, of the, the footprint that they have to, right. to hang on. Right. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't necessarily solve the problems of the anchor mm. footprint. Neil, what, what can you ascertain? I'm curious from like how they're actually doing this in your research. Like, it's one thing to say I'm going to take returns from everybody, but actually making that happen and doing that in reality, it seems like a pretty mean feat. 
Yeah, I mean, I've done a little bit of research. I don't think there's any reporting out on the net, at least, about how they're doing this. Or you who know? they're doing it with. Yeah, I mean, right now it's it's Kohl's and Macy's, but you know, are they giving you back exactly the money that is listed on your receipt? And then what are they, my big question is, what are they going to do with this afterward? Yeah. You know, are they going to try and return it themselves for cash? <laughs> it goes to ThreadUp, which now is their next partner in their yeah. store. It very well yeah, could, it could be. be. That actually. would actually make a lot yeah. more sense because they're not going to list these on yeah. eBay, right? So I have no idea what they're doing with actually, yeah, why hasn't somebody done that for everyone that's partnering with ThreadUp? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think to Anne's point, um, you know, it, it's looking like Nordstrom Local is going to be in super urban environments where um, Nordstrom had never has a presence and never had a presence. It reminds me a lot of what Target's been doing for the last three or four years with city targets and potentially allowing um, Nordstrom to get exposure to a whole new clientele. I mean, I'm like Carter. I've probably been Nor- in the last 10 years. I've never been in Nordstrom's prior to that, probably less than five times. There's not personally ever a need for me to walk in there. But if you think about um, younger urban guests with a high capacity to spend, I think a lot of these markets, you know, this provides an, an opening for at least them to get exposure of the brand to a new clientele, which I think makes sense. I mean, to Carter's point, we'll just save the business. That's, you know, who knows? I want to know who's going to do the stroller cleaning because that would be one of the worst jobs. And I can't imagine what is on a stroller that's been rolling around New York City. It's not even that easy to do. Yeah, no kidding, especially in New York City. All, all right, right. I digress. Let's all right. Yeah, I'm yeah. All right, hold on with me here. I'm having a lot of a lot of trouble with the air and the oxygen today. I don't know what it is, but all right, number three. Uh, this is actually one of my favorite stories of recent memory. I think this is actually a really, really big story um, for a number of reasons, which we'll get to, but it was announced this past week that Patrick Doyle, the former Domino CEO, will form a partnership with the Ca- Carlyle Group. Yes, that's right. The Carlyle Group announced that the Patrick Doyle, the former Domino's president and CEO, will work together in a partnership to acquire established companies that have the opportunity for value creation and revenue growth through technological transformation. The partnership will also, according to reports, focus on public and private companies with an enterprise value of up to $10 million. $10 billion, thank you. Thank you for my that correction. With a B. That's a lot of money. Uh, $10 billion. So yeah, not chump change. Um, I think this is a cool story. I have a lot to say on this, but before I do, I'm curious. Neil, Patrick Doyle, Michigan, your boy. What What are your thoughts here? Chris, oh my God. Chris <laughs> knows this isn't my boy. I have no you know, animosity. It's just more I thought all you Michigan people stay together. He's a Michigan guy. I'm a, oh, I'm a Spartan. You're Sparty. Take it easy. Yeah. I know you're upset that we beat you in 2013 Rose Bowl that you and I both attended yes. in different ends of the stadium. So. You're, you're right. Don't, you're let right. Me, don't, yeah. don't think I've forgotten uh, that. Yeah, no, you're right. I haven't either. Uh, I'll say this about Patrick Doyle. Uh, if you've studied what he did at Domino's, it was truly uh, impeccable. I just pulled up some stats. As of the summer 2018, uh, same store sales at Domino's increased for 28 straight quarters. And pizza. That's amazing. In the pizza industry, it's that seven years, right? Uh, if I'm doing quick math. Yep. And the pizza industry is probably one of the most toughest, you know, uh, cutthroat industries in America, right? Because you have upstarts all the time, which, you know, Shaq's part of. Uh, I think Papa John's yep. now. Papa Murphy's came on the scene yeah. maybe 10 years ago. You've got Blaze Pizza, which has a partnership with another NBA player, I believe. I think LeBron James. I mean, pizza is something that's you know been an American staple for probably 50 years, and there are companies growing and dying all the time. And what he did was he had a, I think, 
a huge impact in terms of bringing technology into what is was a tired space. And they did a lot of cool things, whether it was like you getting notifications when your pizza is being made and then it being done and seeing who's making it and you need a little delivery tracker to a whole bunch of other things in relation to remodels. I think that whole commercial campaign about how crappy their pizza was when he was starting the transformation. And then the commercials were saying like showing like bulldozers uh, revamping not only the storefronts, but then also them reinventing the entire pizza. Like the pizza. Yeah, I'm curious, Carter, you sp- I mean, you spent a lot of time on this too, like on the tech side. I mean, their mobile app is pretty intriguing. Like what's your take? Yeah. So here's the deal. And we're actually working on like a presentation that talks a lot about Domino's. It's such a great case study. Um, Interesting. Okay. You split what he did into two different categories. Okay. You split it into the buzzworthy type things that you talk about your friends at a party and actually really well-crafted technology-focused innovation. Yeah. So let's do both sides. From the from the buzzworthy side, they remember they released all these delivery vehicles and they like had these ovens. Like when was the last time you saw one of those actually deliver your pizza? Well, we did a is- podcast on that too where you were like, going off on how they were filling potholes. The pothole yeah. thing, right? Like, when was the last <laughs> was time you actually that saw up. that Domino's truck? Because I know as from an agency guy, Don't I would be Don't bring it up. A, Don't bring it up. I would be... A, sore spot. Yeah, it's a sore spot. But... There look are a at, lot of holes in that argument. Uh, <laughs> look at the other side, though. Look at the other side of what they've been able to do. Talk about eliminating the barriers and instilling transparency in the entire process. Like, Pizza Tracker. Like, the simplest, most... Uh, insane thing that you can ever do that revolutionized the experience of buying pizza. And not easy. But not just pizza either. Like pizza tracker became, became a the way word. About like it. that's it's like Googling something. It's like, oh, give me a pizza tracker function on, you know, my yeah. whatever, anything. Name it became it. a verb, right? Yeah. So and that's the that, word I was trying you know, to use. It's like Kleenex. Yeah. And they had these things where like the Alexa skills were actually a skill that worked. Like it wasn't like it didn't say a funny voice or anything. It actually remembered what pizza you wanted to order and just ordered it for you. I haven't tried that. It, it understood that. the need state of what was actually happening and used new tools of technology to not mm. be a gimmick, but to actually take advantage of uh, the whole idea of eliminating barriers. Was it technologically crazy? No, it wasn't. It was an app that all it did was order your favorite pizza, and it was one button. That was the point. And this, this is the whole thing about the the you know presentation and the research I'm working on is like us marketers get so stuck in this buzzworthy side of things. And I think that's great. If you want headlines and you want to be known as like some crazy new innovative company, right. like awesome. But you actually have to have kind of the the gumption to back it up. And Domino's did that like in parallel to the buzzworthy type technology that they were they're putting out. So I think it's genius. I think. Y- he has been able to be elevated to celebrity status. He's going to make a ton of money advising on big companies at the Carlisle Group, and I think it's actually going to be amazing. Domino's is it's one of my favorite brands to talk about because of both sides of that line. Oh, God, I love doing this because I had no idea you were going to say any of that. Like I made it up. You're no, not effusive usually in your praise for people either. I mean, and I think and I, that's one thing I love about you is like well, the hate very is, measured and when you start throwing you don't throw, throw effusive praise out no it's, it's the out. hate of the buzzword yep. alone mm-hmm. right of I don't care if you yep. download did some AR app congratulations to you and the nine people who downloaded eight of which were from the agency who built it yeah like I mean like that is not transformative right like you can get a headline retail dive, but who cares, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're actually in parallel doing things that matter, that are eliminating barriers to your product, that's what really matters. Yeah. Well, let me ask you guys this too. I, I want to spend some time on the story because I think it's great. And I wrote about it this week too. And it's actually been a pretty 
pretty well-read posts. In fact, Patrick Toyle himself actually messaged me about the piece, which was like it's probably amazing. the highlight Absolutely of my amazing. year, actually. Yeah. Um, it was fun. We were like going back and forth, making jokes about delivery and how he needs to drive a scooter to take pizza. It was funny. Oh, but, my God. But anyway. I feel like we need heart bubbles. I know. Like, I, I'm kind of, I kind of fanboy right on him. I sent him a nice note because I'm like, no one does that. No one takes the time to pay it forward like that. And I thought that actually was super cool and talks to you about probably why he's been able to do some of the things he's been able to do. But um, I'm curious. What I found really interesting is it made me stop and think about what is all? What are all the definitions we have out there between retailer, CPG, delivery company, and like Domino's is really all of those things, right? Like it's a consumer product good. We actually consume it. Mm-hmm. We eat it. It's a brand in and of itself. It's a retailer that sells its own product, no different than a you know company selling its own private label product. Mm-hmm. And then it has all these last mile delivery capabilities. And so, with all the talk of digitally native brands, I found it really interesting to think, holy shit, this digitally native brand by way of what Carter just said, has been around forever. It's been doing what digitally native brands strive to do for, you know, for 30 years it's been doing that. Mm -hmm. And so to think about what that actually means and then to think about what further technology can be put into that to make that even more attainable for people, I thought was just really interesting pause to think about for a little bit. So I'm curious to see what he can do in this space as a result of that. But I just throw that out there to you guys, curious to see how you respond to that. I thought the most interesting... Not the most interesting, but something that I paused at when I was reading that article was actually why other restaurant companies still have such a hard time with delivery and facilitating that when the pizza industries have been doing it for so long. Like when you think about last mile delivery, like we're and how much we talk about that and. It's been going on forever. Like, I, I guess thinking about there's there's certainly more intricacies once you start to talk about multiple products and things like that. But um, for me, I really start to think about where where the technology that Domino's has put in place and the processes that they put in place and the whole like product of Domino's in general as a company, um, how that will transform what like QSR restaurants end up being or even where restaurants end up going in the future and how much space they're dedicating. Like the micro warehousing trend of grocery, I think, does that hit restaurants next? And it's like how much of our space needs to be dedicated to having people dine in versus, you know, just fulfilling orders and pick up and doing delivery. Yeah. My wife sent me after that, reading that article, my wife sent me this something similar. She sent me this article about uh, celebrity chefs, Gavin Kaysen. And I said that right too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, Tom Keller have invested in a robotics uh, completely automated, like celebrity chefs, like some of the best chefs in the country investing in robotic chefs to prepare all the food to the exact point that you're talking about. So like, yeah. God knows where this is going to go. So it made me realize like what's old is new again. This, this stuff's all been around. But- well, and people want food how they want it, when they want it. It's the same as products. They right. want, you know, if you want a high, you know, fine dining experience at Gavin Kaysen's restaurant, you're going to make an appointment for that. If you want to get takeout, like 44% of millennials do on a regular basis, right. you want that to get to you hot and, and be good and quickly. Yeah, it just shows you there's just so much opportunity for that type of infrastructure to find its way into more spaces. Yeah. That's why That's why I think this is quite possibly the story of the year, honestly. We'll see how it plays out. All right, number four. Okay. This no, is going to be number good. Number four. Albertine. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I use my Dutch pronunciation. You're welcome. That's Dutch? Uh, yes, it is. Okay. ING and I, AFI, sorry, announced that uh, Cashierless Store recently that they are piloting outside of the Albert Hain headquarters in Zondam. And the uh, 
companies are coming together to test this cashierless convenience store that will allow customers to enter and pay for goods with just a credit card. So credit card scan, you go in, it's Amazon Go style, you pull your products, um, you pause for a moment before you're leaving, and then you walk out and they charge you for all of the products that you have just left with. So um, customers go through, um, they put in their their traditional credit card, um, they're scanned on the way out, but there's no need to use any point of sale or checkout. And they're going to continue to test this concept over the next two months with the Albert Hain employees. So uh, pretty amazing news coming out of... Did, did I catch that correctly? You, you Because you're scanning each product as it goes in, you don't have to pause... No, you you walk in. It's just Amazon Go style. Got it. Okay. So, in, but instead of an no app, app or something like that yeah. to download, all you got everybody can use it. Every, anybody that has a credit card. Oh, okay. Which I guess begs the question: like, how many people are actually carrying physical credit cards around still? But anyway, a lot of people. Yes, yeah, on our I, podcast, a yes, lot of people. True. I, I guess like future proofing that concept is what I'm saying. Yeah. But yes, so yes, you scan your credit card. Think like swipe credit card in. Go pick your stuff out, and then you walk out. And they're using weights and cameras. And airport other parking, yeah. A la airport, uh, yeah. Except uh, you don't have to scan out. I got a better one. I got a better one. A la a vending machine. Hey, all it is is a vending machine. It's just a mm-hmm. physical vending machine where you walk in and take it off the shelf. It's no different. It's the same thing. And even if they're not using a credit card, you just have an NFC station, same card reader. Like use Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, whatever. Like that doesn't change. Mm-hmm. I don't. I actually. I, I got to tell you, from a user design perspective, it feels brilliant to me. It's just super simple and easy. Mm-hmm. doesn't require a lot of friction. I don't know. No, no must, no fuss. Yeah. I think that's the whole point of it. What like, do you think? I mean, just I mean, be super simple, and it's, there's no reason to have some app or whatever. And, you know, I think what's interesting is if, you, if, you were, if we were to go, like, two levels deep into this and we realized what this is talking about, we knew the second Amazon Go started testing this, that there were startups that were close behind. Yeah. Now, they might not have the infrastructure. That's why Amazon's always ahead. They have a little bit of a moat because they have so much money. And everyone has their app. Correct. Um, but, you know, we've eliminated that issue here. We've, mm-hmm. we've allowed mm-hmm. it with a credit card. I think they, they've had this moat, and I think I'd be curious, like, now that we're seeing this, has other companies caught up with the technology advancements of Amazon allowing this to be possible? And then what is the infrastructure and the cost of actually installing this? Because I think, you know, what kind of moat does Amazon have anymore if you're actually able to maybe spend ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 on installing this into a small format store mm-hmm. and just use a credit card? What's, like, really limiting you from any store from doing this? Like, what's yeah. limiting Walgreens? Like, what's limiting... Yeah you know, whatever. True. And so I think, you know, as much as we love the Amazon Go experience, like how big of a moat does it really have? And maybe that even ties into one of the other stories of they're trying to add value through returns. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I'd be curious how quickly that technology democratizes. Yeah, I think it's a great point. I mean, it's, I mean, we don't know, it's still, it's closed, right? It's not open to the public yet. So yeah, there's still a lot employees. more to learn. I mean, the bigger, the biggest question is actually to me is still with the whole thing is like, how does this, the technology work in general? But once I think people will figure that out. Like you'll get it, you'll get it to work for all products. You get it to work for almost any size box, um, and even if you can't, like you'll still be able to get it to work for smaller size boxes. And this is a great way to m- make it easy for people to do it. So I got This is, I think it's great. And God, it just shows you there is going to be so much heat on this topic in the next like six months to a year. Like the checkout free thing is going. I think my prediction is it explodes come January. Like you are just going to see 2020 is just the year of checkout free pilots across the board. Write it down. All right. Story number five. 
Walmart has this is big. It came out today. Walmart, or sorry, on Thursday, Walmart expands unlimited grocery delivery to fourteen hundred stores nationwide. Yes, that's right. According to CNBC, Walmart is set to expand an unlimited grocery delivery service. Users can pay. This is important. Ninety eight dollars per year to receive unlimited grocery deliveries to their homes. Walmart says it plans to reach more than fifty percent of the country with this service by the end of two thousand nineteen. And the nationwide rollout also said, rollout builds on strong grocery business that Walmart has already been amassing in the U.S. It's been a tough podcast. It has an online grocery order pickup option, for example, available at nearly 3,000 stores today. All right. What do you guys think? I think it's pretty cool. Uh, if you look at, the, of course, they come in at the Walmart $98 under Target's shipped $99 um, in true Walmart style. But uh, it, I think it's going to be great for, for again, like getting this out to the middle of the country and having grocery service be more accessible to more people. Um, it's it's really going to be changing the way that um, that the grocery space continues to transform. And this is a big deal. Walmart getting in the game and doing this and having this offering is is huge. I think the the price point and the unlimited nature of it um, eliminates a lot of barriers to use. It's a sunken uh, cost. Is that the accurate strategy that they're using here? Uh, but the point is, is that you know I've already paid the ninety eight dollars. Like, why yep. would I use Whole Foods or why would I use Target? Like, I can use Walmart because I've already paid for it and it's free. It's unlimited. Um, I also think that you know even if it is a small amount of delivery fee, I think that also puts this kind of psychological barrier on it. It it allows you an excuse not to use it. So it's like, hey, I really don't want a grocery store, but also like we're tied on cash this month, so. Like, I'm going to save the five bucks that it costs to deliver this and actually go. Uh, you can stomach the 98 bucks probably and then use that benefit for the entire year. And I think then, you know, Walmart in, instills itself as the go to um, for maybe not even the big Sunday afternoon delivery trips, but it's the, hey, like, I really want steak tonight, but we didn't buy it on Sunday. Like, maybe we can get it delivered from, you know, at, at noon when you're sitting at your computer. Yeah. The other thing that I like about this is that it kind of, this price point is starting to democratize the conveniences of delivery for more people. A hundred percent. You think about yeah, it's $20 cheaper than Amazon, right? Yeah. And you just, you think about, the, you think about how, um, you know, like as you, again, we've talked about this a You're few right. times, but 30, yeah. as you spread to the middle of the country and like, yeah. as people are more time starved, you have people that are, you know, I was just listening to a story this morning about the number of parents who are going back to school now in order to try to, you know, extend their careers and make more money like there's a lot of people in this next generation who are more time starved than they ever have been before and are not earning incomes that can support you know even prime membership and so i think that once you're once you start to bring the the cost down for this type of convenience i think people will find a way to justify this to have their time back and to and the valuable time of spending time with their families so they don't have to spend the saturday at the grocery store and it's totally opt-in I mean, yeah. that's what I think is so hilarious. You about can go this. to the like, store. Prime's been around forever. And like, why has no one ever just started doing this too? Like, it, you can opt into it. And so, like, yeah, it's a lot cheaper. It's $89. What was what, what it? It's $98. I think yeah. Prime's $119, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, uh, give or take. And like, it, 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 it's just, it's easy to do. Like, if you want to pay that, you can pay it. And then it just becomes a scale game in terms of how many people you have doing it. And then the more people you have, then, yeah, Walmart can still keep its promise and lower its prices. So, and Walmart has a ton of distribution locations if they start thinking about their stores like that in a lot of ways. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it, 
I think it's, it feels like the right move. It feels like a move they should have made a long time ago. It feels like a move, quite frankly, other people I think should make. I've been surprised Target hasn't tried this to some degree. Um, I mean, they have with shipped. I guess, I guess maybe I take that back. I guess they have. They've done it just by way of shipped and the, which, God, that's hard to say, shipped and the annual fee there. So I guess they are doing it. So yeah, it's just, I think it's more the same, but this is, it's compelling. But will they deliver it inside your house? to your refrigerator and eat your leftovers on your cup while yeah. you're gone. That's still that's still the single funniest video of the year. When was the last time you got a full basket of french fries when you got delivered? I'm guaranteed, you know, the delivery driver for sure has taken a few off the top. When you <laughs> <laughs> Not many people are ordering french fries. Is that going to happen with my Starbucks too? Is that going to happen with Starbucks? Oh my god, there's just there's a not foam. a lot of foam in my latte. Foam off the top. Or my cappuccino. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks for bearing with us today. It was a little bit of a longer podcast, but we've been off for a couple of weeks and there was a lot of fun things to get to. We, quite frankly, have missed each other too, I think. So it was fun just to kind of throw the banter around, which we hope you guys all enjoy. We really enjoy it. It's part of the reason we love doing what we do with each other. Um, like I said, at the very outset, we will, Ann and I will be at Grocery Shop this week, starting on Saturday night, yeah. uh, moderating a panel on the uh, technology-enabled store uh, on Saturday, so please come and check that out. On Sunday. Yes, thank you very much. Boy, it's been a tough day just trying (laughs) to get through this podcast. Um, Technology-driven store um, on Sunday afternoon, and then we are podcasting live from the booth on Monday. Monday. (laughs) Monday. And we've got some cool podcasts that we'll be teasing uh, that we'll be doing uh, doing those interviews live. So be sure to check check those out. Be sure to tell your friends about that content coming uh, your way. And, of course, hit us up if you're going to be out at the show as well. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to connect. As always, please remember to like, review, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Every difference makes a difference. The reviews have been steadily climbing, so thank you very much for all your help and support. If you have the time right now, if you've listened all the way through this, please take a second, leave a review for us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And, of course, as always, from the entire gang here and Sparty, Carter, be careful out there. Oh, 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 oh,